Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 169. John and Wendy, welcome back. Greg Hawks. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you tonight, John? Wendy, I am well. Excited uh, that this episode, like the entire month of May, is being sponsored by our good friends over at People Element. Appreciate them being part of our community and doing that for us. Wendy, last week we talked a little bit about your event coming up with Recruitee. Mm -hmm. You're just killing it out there. You got more going on. Let's hear about ERE and what's happening there. The 27th is going to be a little busy for me, Um, speaking at uh, Recruity in the morning and then ERE Digital in the afternoon. This is our good friend Vadim Lieberman leading the charge for an all 80s themed digital conference. It is back to the future themed and I am having a blast finding gifts and photos and all sorts of fun stuff to throw into my presentation to keep up with that theme. He also asked for some um, like school photos from the 80s, so I'm not sure if that's going to make an appearance or not, but I did send in my 7th grade, I believe 7th or 8th grade uh, class photos. Yeah, that was a fun time in the 80s for sure, um, but... Super excited. I'm going to be talking um, again about candidate experience. So it's going to be my theme for the day. Hope you guys will join us. There'll be a link in the show notes for a discount code. So use that link. Don't go directly to ERE Recruiting Conference, but uh, go to the link in the in the show notes and get 10% off. Hope to see you all there. It's going to be a great conference. It's three days, May 25th, 26th, and 27th. You will hear lots of friends of the podcast like Kate Bischoff and Kirsten Greggs, Mary Faulkner, Tiffany Toussaint. I could go on and on. I'm pretty sure we've had everybody or almost everybody on the show that's going to be presenting. So check it out. We will see you there. The one thing that disappoints me is that Vadim could have had somebody speak or be part of this thing that does an 80s podcast. Well, it is recruiting themed. Yeah, I know, but I could have done something. <laughs> I could have done something that was 80s related. Oh, next time. Next, next time, time, Vadim. You, 90s, I don't know. But if he does 70s, we can try that. But yeah, that, that's the only thing that bums me out. We will certainly have it in the show notes. Definitely take part. ERE just puts on great stuff. The Dean's a great dude and definitely check that out. Wendy, it is hard to believe we have Greg back. Yes. This man is a bundle of energy. (laughs) He is unbridled joy and excitement. One of my favorites. It's been way too long. Let's make the introduction and get this thing going. So excited to welcome Greg Hawks back to the show. I remember laughing a lot the first time we had him on, so I expect nothing less tonight. Greg is a keynote speaker, virtual conference producer, and annoyingly optimistic. He founded Hawks Agency 12 years ago and has been having a blast leading it ever since. Greg, what's in your glass? Well, I only keep like two things in my glass, coffee, water, and sometimes Diet Mountain Dew. So since it's after the noon hour, I strictly go with water because I don't need any more caffeine from this morning than I get right off. I, I, I keep it pretty simple. Simple is good. Greg, how did we not know that you were a Mountain Dew person? Diet, I shifted to diet. I mean, when I was a young person, it was like I would drink. I mean, it was like diet, it was Mountain Dew all the time. So I've shifted over to that. And so I'll do like a two liter a week is about it. You know, like I'll make it last. I get a glass. It's kind of a nice... A nice um, refresher. I think if some people do wine, I do Diet Mountain Dew that way. We all have our vice. We all have our vice. Yes. <laughs> one of the chain restaurants, didn't they do a Mountain Dew margarita at one point? Like that was one of their calling cards. 
I don't know if it was diet. I have no idea. I'm sure somebody did. Wow. And, and they make more variants of that soda than anything else. I, I know. Like I see different, it's blue, it's red, it's, it's orange. orange. They have, when I'm traveling, I'm in these g- gas stations. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I don't keep up. I like, I got the standard. I'm, I'm a pretty simple, like I go to the same thing every time. Oh, we tried one of the colors once. It was like beyond sweet. Let me tell you what the worst is. I tried Mountain Dew without sugar or something. So I thought, oh, they're trying to do like a zero sugar or something. It is so disgusting. I literally (laughs) threw the thing away. I took like three drinks. Like I cannot even swallow this. It's just gross. So I threw it away. Thankfully, Mountain Dew is not sponsoring this episode. (laughs) Yes. Yes. People own it are. But you never know down the road and we will sample whatever wares they may have. Greg, it is really hard to believe you last appeared on episode 90 of the show, which was November of 2019. That's ridiculous. A hundred years ago. (laughs) A hundred years ago was my last time on here. I think it feels like that for all of us. What have you been up to? Sleeping. I just took a nap and I woke up and I'm like, look, I'm back on. Woo! I get to be here again. And then a little bit of work in between. So, oh my goodness, I've been, you know, the world cratered. I don't know if you know this, but the speaking industry shut down from an in-person experience. And so I did some fun magic and got myself through it with doing some virtual conferences. And that's a really fun story. And then I'm back to speak. I do a little bit of virtual speaking. I was just telling Wendy, I was in her state last week. And then I flew to Fort Myers, Florida. And so I was in South Dakota and Florida last week which I'm like, you know, throw in Texas. And those are the three states that didn't know we had a pandemic. And so they've been doing in-person stuff pretty consistently, you know, so they didn't know, particularly in South Dakota. They were curious about this COVID thing I referred to. It was <laughs> unfamiliar to them. COVID? COVID? Is that that called Are you what talking about that? the beer, the Corona beer? Is that no, that- That's, <laughs> yes. Was it Cadillac Jacks? Right, right. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because as we well know, we had a lot of stuff planned last year that didn't happen. Talk to us about that move to virtual hosting and what's been the biggest surprise for you? It was so great. Let me tell you how it happened first because I love this origin story. As soon as the world fell apart, I started doing these. We literally every day had a video interaction that was all free. So I did three of them, my business manager, two of them. And every day you could show up and hang out with Hawks Agency in different, we had different variances. One of my previous clients down in Baton Rouge, GBR, their Sherm, they called me in the beginning of April and said, our conference is in October. I mean, these people are wise. It's like, I don't think we're going to have it. Like back then, everybody's like, man, by June, it's all going to be gone. And we're going to get back and have our in-person. They were like, listen, our conference is the end of October. We don't think we're going to be able to do it in person. And I've spoke there numerous times. They're like, you're creative. Why don't you come up with something for us to do? I'm like, put it all together. I talked to some um, vendors. And then I was like, I found the platform. And I was like, I think I can host your conference and make it really effective for vendors, make it really effective for the audience, make it great for the speakers. And they said, all right, let's do that. And so literally like in April, a client prompted the thought for me and it really falls with kind of in our wheelhouse anyhow, because I kind of have my own little studio and all that stuff. So I was like, well, I'm just going to pack my studio up, take it on the road because I go there live and host it from that location. So that was part of my shtick on the whole deal. It's like, hey, if you're in Montana, I'll come to Montana. If you're in Tallahassee, I'll go to Tallahassee and I'll broadcast live from there. And so, but it was originally from a client who was like, 
we need a good idea. Why don't you help us come up with one? And I did. And then it helped a lot of people. Super grateful about that. Surprises. So your question was surprises, Wendy. Here's what I'm surprised about. How much better the virtual is for almost everybody. First, it's an introvert's paradise. They <laughs> love the, they love online virtual conferences. Like I don't have to see any of you people because it's broadcast one way. So like I'm not doing, we're on the Whova platform. So it's not like Zoom and there's faces you're looking at. It's like you just see the speaker or the pre-recorded, but the chat is alive and on fire. And these people, smart, intelligent, can hold really great conversations. They just don't like to be around large groups of people. So the introverts paradise is one of the things. Second, with our vendors, exhibitors, sponsors, um, and you know, if they're not have any bits of creativity, then they're screwed. But if they just have an ounce of creativity, I'm like, listen, you have access to the attendees two weeks before the conference starts. You can have conversations. I'm like an in-person, you get them at these tables. You're giving away Chotsky. You got two or three days. That's it. Virtual, you got two weeks before, you've got during, and then you've got for as long as that conference lives, you can come back. The attendee list is right there. The the golden glory that everybody wants is attendee list. It's like every attendee's picture's there. There are companies there. It's like if you're not a spammer, like you can create meaningful engagement with kind of your perfect client or the things you're going after. So what I found out about it was how much more effective it was for the peripheral in the speaking business. Like, oh, I missed the audience. But even when you do the pre-recorded, what I liked about it was I could pre-record and then be in the chat. So I'm literally like, I get twice as much engagement in the same hour. I get two hours of engage. Like, where do I get time like that where it's doubled over? Nowhere but a virtual conference. I just found all kinds of fun things that were really helpful from it that I don't think honestly, even still today, I like I have I'm like vendors don't get it, exhibitors. I'm like, I, I don't understand. You're like, this is worth more. That was surprising that there was so many great upsides and that people, you know, it's not surprising that some people just aren't thoughtful. They just want to do, they just want to sit and be passive. And I'm like, that doesn't work in a virtual world for anybody. Greg, I think you're right. There have been so many interesting things coming out, particularly it seemed like it went zero to a hundred when it came to virtual stuff. We had the webinars and maybe a few pre-recorded things, platforms like Whova and these different things that are out there now. We're seeing so much more. I think you would agree, though, that a lot of people have started showing signs of fatigue when it comes to mm -hmm. virtual space, and particularly more, probably more Zoom fatigue and everybody's, you know, yep. I, I keep telling people I have a lot of phone calls that I do, and I'll just tell them, I'm going to call you Zoom fatigue. Like, I don't want to be on screen. We are seeing restrictions change and loosen up and a return in other places besides those states you mentioned. What do you personally see in the future of virtual events for you as somebody that has harnessed that energy and that ability where do you see it going from here as conditions change? Well, let me tell you, let me do twofold answers. You're talking a little bit about the fatigue. Like this week, what I really appreciate about it is some of my clients, I'm working with a group out of New Jersey this week, and they're doing like a full week DEI. And they've got about 3,000 employees spread across the country. And, and, you know, I'm involved. I'm partner. I've done many things with them. And so they want me to come and just, I'm doing a creative. So it was an opt-in. It's all opt-in. And so I'm doing these I created my own little DEI involvement thing. And it's literally like we mailed them Play-Doh. We mailed them pipe things. We've sent them crayons and paints. And so I've done two different things with these people, this company where they sent boxes and then I engage them doing things. It is, and they're both, we do it like on teams for that so that I can see and they can give me feedback and all of that. And so again, I think, I think it's not even innovation. It's just a little bit of creativity that it goes so far in the Zoom space if 
people will do that. I mean, everybody started out doing like the happy hours and it's like, oh my God, it's just more of the same, except we're not doing anything business. We're just sitting around trying to talk and it gets funky. It's like just involving a little bit of engagement from a creative perspective kind of changes dynamic because then there's a physical focus in their location and then they get to engage with people here. And just a little bit of that, like I'm the only one in this whole week that they're doing but it will be a, you know, it's like it's sold out. It was full. Nobody else can get in. Like, it's one of those things like, oh, yeah, because it's going to be so great. For the future, you know, I'm really, I actually have a whole lot of concern for the hybrid because that's kind of what everybody's thinking. I'm afraid they're going to go back to in-person first. They'll be like, all right, we're going to have everybody come back. We're going to set up some cameras and we're going to send what we're doing here to the people who didn't want to come. And it's kind of their problem anyhow. And yet, you know, there's still a lot of people. And that's kind of how they have it. It's like, well, you know, the CDC said, and you know, we're all doing, and yet there's still people who are thoughtful about their elderly parents or, you know, Hey, everybody got the vaccine and then they're still getting COVID. So, you know, I'm going to err on the side of caution. My concern is people are going to do in-person first events. And, you know, my pitch is do virtual first. What, what, even if you bring people back together, because one of the things that we've learned out of this whole deal is people aren't coming for the speaker. They're coming for the people instead of designing the in-person experience to be dude on a stage or do dead on the stage and we all sit and listen, let's instead create the in-person engagement like we do virtually. So how can we create places where people can be talking while the person on the stage is talking? Because that's what people love about the virtual. It's like, I can, I can add to it. I can totally apply it. I can share knowledge in real time. So it's like, well, let's create, instead of trying to make the virtual replicate the in-person, like we've had a really successful year. Let's make the in-person replicate the virtual and design it that way. I think it'll be a game changer and how people do it effectively. Cause there's, cause it's not going to change really quickly. It's, we're all coming back in person. And, and you know, if you don't want to come then tough, you know, it's like, there's, there's still plenty of people who have valid reasons for like, ah, I'm going to sit this one out. I like the idea of how do we get, you know, getting those in-person events more engaged because you really, you go, you go to those events and you, you sit <laughs> yes. and you sit really close into everybody. And I'm really hoping that we keep the space, you know, I don't need to sit on top of strangers. That's been one of the things people have said, you know, going to virtual events is how do I get people engaged? And there's so many great tools out there now. I know I'm using one for the recruitee conference called Mentimeter. So it's going to allow us to do more than just you know, a poll every once in a while, but we'll have questions and chats and breakout rooms. And I think that's just the more we can get people to interact, the more successful they're going to be. And so trying to get people to interact in person without saying, hey, turn and talk to your neighbor type of weird stuff too, you know? I, yeah, but I like the idea of like, instead of having one big room and a speaker on it, it's like, let's go put that speaker in a small breakout room, put a camera on him. And let's have screens in the other. And I'm sitting around talking yeah. to people while the guy's talking, just like I do virtually, but I'm engaging people in real life, which I like better. Yes. And where I can do that and I can have my computer or my iPad. And so I can also then be talking to the people in the virtual. It's kind of like, hey, here's our seat at this table. That's our virtual room. And we engage them equally. Because yeah. to me, that's the most fun. Like that's the way it gets exciting. Instead of making the central point the person on the stage, it's like, let's make the central point, the people in the audience and design the whole interaction that way. No, nope, I agree 100%.
It takes a little creativity, a little innovation, and people, you know, in the Sherm world, the challenge is it's a lot of volunteers. It's volunteers. It's not a lot. It's like everybody's volunteering to create it. So they're already working really hard and people sacrifice so much. So that's why someone like me coming from the outside is like a really helpful. I feel like I'm like, it's a real excellent use of a partnership. So it's been fun. Let me ask you guys a question. Okay. Hold on. Let me ask you a question because you're podcasting machines. You're engaging with people. So like all this is always virtual. So what is something you, when you've sat, you haven't got to be a lead person in a virtual experience, what do you like the most about being in a virtual conference that you found to be like, I, this I really like about this that was maybe unexpected? I don't attend a lot of virtual events unless I'm doing something, maybe a webinar or something that's pertinent topic-wise to the- But it's pre-recorded. It's not a live thing. Well, or it may be one speaker and you know that kind of thing. To your point earlier about the interactive piece, I enjoyed when I presented somewhere last year that had me pre-record and then be in that chat room, having those real-time conversations while I'm on the screen. That was really cool. Great conversation. And I think I got more out of it. I think the audience got more out of it because we were able to continue continue talking. It's so much more useful because people can talk while you're talking and they can take a thing and then they can beat it around with each other and like... It's applicable by the time you're done with that message. I mean, it's it's so much more effective for usefulness. We did a few of those too. We did panel discussions where we recorded it and then we did live show where we watched it together on YouTube and chatted about it on Twitter or in the YouTube chat. And again, it's that that interaction that you get that, you know, if you're in person, sometimes it's frowned upon because, oh, you're you're on your phone, you're not paying attention if you're not staring at the speaker. As people who are on Twitter, you know that that <laughs> you're if you're on mm-hmm. if you're on your phone, you're not paying attention. You're obviously just playing a game or something when you're you might be sharing and you're, you're fully engaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like I'm yeah. contributing. I'm helping exactly. you, sucker, because you're not doing a great <laughs> job. So I'm finding one line and I'm gonna promote the heck out of that to help you yep. out, buddy. People are gonna think you're an Please. awesome speaker now, even if you're not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you're not. I got one good tweet out of fifty minutes. Don't scowl at me. Thank me. Okay. So what did you ask me, Wendy, before you interrupted? I'm sorry. (laughs) Great question though. Great, great question. So shifting a little bit from a culture perspective, since you do a lot of work around that, what's Mm -hmm. one piece of advice you would give to an HR or business leader that may be having challenges as we start to see people returning to the office or putting together hybrid work situations or all of that? A couple things for it. First, don't surprise people with the communication, have a healthy strategy overall. So for example, I've got one client who they're coming back July 1st and they're creating an an office hybrid and home hybrid. Are there two models and you can do either one, but from July 1st for the next 60 days, they want everybody in the office as much as possible, regardless of which one they're choosing because they've been out of office for over a year. So that's a strategy. The point being, there's a very clear purpose to the actions that we're taking. So it's like, okay, for the next 60 days, we just want to get around people. We've missed people there. We've hired people through this. You haven't met them. And there are, there are multiple locations. There are a couple different states and have you know locations in each of those. So they're like, you need, to, you need to meet the people. We just need to all have this human interaction again. And then if you go, then if you're a home hybrid, which means you primarily work from home and you set some office hours or office hybrids, you primarily work from the office and then sometimes you'll work from home. And then with that, they've said, and all of our new hires going forward, start out all in the office. 
they're going to have a, a window where they don't get the home office hybrid option the first 90 days of employment. So they're in, we get to know them, we get a feel for them. They're interacting with people in real time. I think the thing is, especially the communication, that there is a thoughtfulness about a quarter in how they're re-engaging. You know, one of the challenges people had with cultures, like they just have thought like, well, how does this translate? And, and I'm like, it's kind of just like when you love somebody and they have to go away for a month. It's not like you go, well, relationship has changed because you had to go off for a work trip to Asia and I don't get to, you're not living with me. Well, it's like, well, you adapt so that you still communicate the things that are important. I care about you. I miss you. I want to touch base with you about the important things. We adapt to go, hey, what really matters to us? And then we make sure those things happen. And then maybe we take a spurt, you know, a long time. It's like, let's find it. We're going to go do a virtual date together. And so, you know, I have found that the pandemic has just magnified values already that people had. And they revealed their commitment to them, basically. Because there's a lot of people that pivoted and provided because that's just what they value. Like a client in Atlanta that was literally like the second weekend they replicated everybody's office and said, we're taking, we're buying all things replication, put it in your home and we're leaving the office intact. So now there's, you can go both places, how, whenever you want, wherever you want. And it's the exact same. And that was just part of their culture. Like they were already that kind of organization that just was quick to think, how do we make sure our people feel cared for and are equipped to get done the job we've asked them to do. And so they just did it, you know? So it was like, oh, well, that just revealed already your values are like really real. Like it's not platitudes. It's like a legit thing. And so in many cases, culture has been strengthened because of then the greater intimacy that's happened when we're in people's homes and all the Zoom stuff that, you know, we saw everybody and saw their spouses walking with their shirts off and their kids being crazy. And so, you know, like persona, it got everybody a little more intimate which is great when your culture is healthy because then it is even a greater bond. Whereas when people didn't have that, it was, you know, it kind of fractured. Greg, one of the things that we've done since you last appeared is we've started crowdsourcing questions from previous guests. In this case. How did you come up with that idea? That's kind of fun. I'd prefer not to did say. Did somebody say, hey, you should ask the next girl. You should ask the next guy. You know what I'd like to know? I would prefer not to say where I came up with that. However. Okay, okay, okay. Case, fine, 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 fine. I can, I can thank the fine folks at the AV Club for borrowing that idea. Perry Timms has a very challenging one here, and we're not expecting you to fix it. However, he did ask, how do we start to address pay inequity? How do we start to address pay inequity? Ho! What industry does he come from? What space is he in? Perry is an HR pro over in, in the UK, and he consults oh, a lot of organizations. So I don't, I don't think it's any mm -hmm. one. I think we can all agree, and knowing you probably work with many different organizations in a lot of different industries, I think we can all agree that for the most part, it is a systemic issue. Yeah, there's not a solution. It, here's what I would say with that, the commitment to persist. It's one of those things where I've found with HR professionals, sometimes, not all of them, and maybe not the majority, they'll take a run at something. They'll say, we need to do, and they get shot down, right? Like no is 80% to 90% always the answer from every question in any organization. Like that's the first response, no. And without like a boldness or uh, you know, conviction that's like, I'm gonna find a different way to ask this question every week until it really gets traction that other people 
start sensing a conviction. So I, I would say I, I'm always concerned that people when on something like this, that's so meaningful and so visible, they take a run at it and then it doesn't happen. And they're like, Oh God, our supervisors just said, our leaders don't care. Our organizations, and they just turn into blaming. And it's like, you know, I always tell people in my speaking things, I'm like, when I hear no, all I hear is somebody saying, Greg, you're not communicating well. So you told me no. So that means what I'm thinking and seeing and visioning, I'm not doing a good job articulating because if you saw it like I saw it, if you understood like I understood, you would say yes. Hidden inside every no is a yes. And so it's just that persistence of how do I find different ways to keep this thing present instead of just start blaming and shaming our CFO and our C-suite leaders, the people who make decisions and, you know, squawking to my other HR friends about, oh my God, they'll just never do it. You just have to like continue at it in multiple ways. And that solves it right there. John, you said I couldn't solve it. That solves it. <laughs> let's, call Perry. let's get him on the phone. Who was that who asked the question? He's the UK. Let's call him right now. Come on, Perry. Bring it. What's your next question, Perry? I got you. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast is brought to you by People Element. People Element helps you act with confidence to improve the work experience for your employees and improve productivity, retention, and engagement. Their flexible, all-in-one employee experience and engagement measurement solution gives you an enduring capability to understand your people and take the right actions to continuously improve the things that matter to the success of your business. People Element is built for your success. To learn more about People Element, visit peopleelement.com. Thanks again to People Element for sponsoring the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Now, back to the show. It is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. And as you've been on before, Greg, we have an abbreviated version for you tonight. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? I thought about this. I think I wanted to be a lawyer, like a speaking, like I always had a, a line in my head for like, I'm going to, I need to be talking to people. <laughs> and so a lawyer, I think was the initial, like I need to be persuading, compelling, inspiring people to come to my way of seeing things. So a lawyer, I think was the career I thought would be like a perfect fit for me, but you had to be educated for that. And that's where it all fell apart. <laughs> Greg, who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year you think more people should know? I'm going to say there's a couple people. There's a Monique in Tallahassee who's in the Sherm world. I've known her for more than this year, but she's fantastic. Becky in Montana leads an organization called Montana Weed Control Association, but it's not that kind of weed. <laughs> and so she's hilarious and super funny and but and she's and it's noxious weeds, it's very government oriented. It's I'm like you're in the wrong weed business. She's super cool and just really smart. She's not specifically HR, but she's serving people well. And there's all kinds of people I've known for a while I think people should know, but I'll resist because you said this was abbreviated, and I'm not much at abbreviations. What are Monique and Becky's last names? Monique is Akabana. Uh, uh, Becky, I just literally call her Becky MWCA. That's literally how she's in my phone. Becky MWCA. And I think in LinkedIn, she's Becky MWCA, which is Montana Weed Control Association. She's fun. <laughs> last names. I don't, John, I don't do last names. I'm, a, I'm just a but I'm first not, name. I know these not, I, <laughs> At least that makes sense. Becky MWCA is something I can work with as opposed to just Becky. 
Yeah. Becky in Montana and Monique yeah. in Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Listen, like there's how many of them can there be? <laughs> this isn't a call-in show. <laughs> <laughs> Becky in Montana asks. <laughs> Wait, that's right. That's right. Oh. We're going to go to Becky in Montana right now. Becky, how's the weed in Montana? Oh, my goodness. Greg, how do you maintain balance? I hate balance. I don't try to maintain balance at all. Not for a minute, not for a second. What's the point of balance? No, I just, I live life trying to live it by priorities and my own values day to day. I'm not at odds. Nothing in my life. Well, that's not necessarily true. I shouldn't say that. The only thing I have at odds is my own internal thoughts sometimes. But other than that, like I'm pretty in sync with what I think is important and working with people. I own my own business. So I, I mean, I can I can come and go. I can take a nap at two o'clock. I can go ride my mountain bike at 10 a.m. So I, I get to set those schedules. So depending on how the week looks. So that might be the answer. Seeing how my week looks, I place my exercise or the things that are non-work within the construct of the day. I just don't like balance. I don't like that idea because it says two things are opposing. My work and my personal are somehow at odds with each other. And I'm trying to work that out. I'm like, you got one life, you're one person. So your spiritual life, your hobby life, your activity life, your work, all that's all one. Speaking of hobbies, what's a hobby or a thing you really like to do that may surprise people? I don't think I have anything that would surprise people. I like to ride my mountain bike. I like to run. You know what I like? I like uh, scrolling that TikTok you guys on with the kids are on. Oh my God. It's just so dang funny. TikTok, it'll have this thing show up where it's like, hey man, you've been doing this for a while. You should go. Like it's at an hour. And I'm like, okay, I will do that. So that's something I do. When TikTok says it's time for you to get off our platform, I obey every single time. Every time those two, there's two different dudes when they show up and like, man, I know you like doing this, but you probably should do something more productive with your life. I'm like, okay, I will. I need to make sure I've got those on my phone so that when my daughter gets in down in the TikTok rabbit holes. No, they show oh, up. Like TikTok oh, okay. shows it up. You don't have to do anything. TikTok oh, okay. has it built in. When you're, if you scroll for one hour at the one hour mark, they send a thing that says, "Hey, you've been on here a while. Why don't you go take a break?" Um, like it's so fun. I that dang social media. That's my favorite because they're just people are ridiculous, and I get in the comedy ones. I get in the do it your do yourself home things. I can't do anything. I find it to be the most positive, delightful. Now, my kids tell me because I don't read in the comments. I miss all the snark. I miss all the mean stuff of the social media. I'm like, I just scroll. Whatever TikTok gives me, I scroll it and I laugh. And like, I just think it's fun, 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 fun. fun. That, That is true. Greg, finally, as John said, we are crowdsourcing. So if you could ask the next guest of the podcast anything, what would you ask? I would, I would say, how could audience members make a virtual conference better. I'm interested in that idea because the collaboration, it really creates this synchronization between broadcaster and audience. So not the Zoom thing where we're seeing each other, but even from being the chat or the community groups or the polls, like what are ways that, and so that's what I think. I think audiences, just what John was saying earlier, like the contribution of other people, it makes it all better. So I know there's other ways for that. I would be curious on what your next guest thinks. We have it written down and we will have it in there. Thank you. We'll make sure that we let you know when that happens so that uh-huh. you can listen and hear what they have to say. Cause I'm- can I, can I ask Perry a question? Can we turn around and just send one back to Perry? Like, come on, man, that was we rough. We've had some very challenging ones and we've had some <laughs> more entertaining yeah. ones. That's the great part of it is 
part of the fun is you don't yeah. know who the next person yeah. is. You bring so much joy to people's life, John and Wendy. You are gifters like that, brightening up people's day with such twists and turns in the human interaction space. Thank you. Greg, we cannot thank you enough for coming back and being part of our community. Your unbridled energy is something to behold, and I'm going to have a real fun time editing this yes, show. Yes, you are. Better you than me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Some of our listeners, I, I find it very hard to believe our listeners wouldn't know you. However, our international audience has grown quite a bit. Probably some of them mm -hmm. don't know you. Best way for anyone out there that wants to get in touch, how do they get in touch with you? Hawksagency.com. Like that's the easiest way. Just H-A-W-K-S agency.com. And at the website, that's our website. Gives you everything. And then I hang out on LinkedIn. Like that's the place I spend my days mostly social media wise of late with COVID. The interactions stuff went mostly there. We'll have both those in the show notes. And then, Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there? Best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And, of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice-monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Once again, thanks to People Element for sponsoring the episode. And be sure to check out our episode with them if you haven't already. Great folks doing good things in the yes. space. So be sure to check them out. As for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman. And for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Share, follow, review, whatever you do and everything you do to help us out, we appreciate. International listeners, as I mentioned last week, I keep seeing the numbers and I'm blown away at yeah. the international audience right now. Please get in touch with us. Greg can tell you it's painless and hopefully <laughs> we brought a little energy. We would love to have you as part of our conversations too. Greg, can't ever say thanks enough, but thank you. Yes. And so for the HR Social Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you soon. <laughs>